of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I feel like Eloise was on a real roll. We should just bring her back in. She could take over, and that would be okay. Well, it is All Saints Sunday, and you are going to get an All Saints sermon. Shocking. I know. Because this morning, we have sung about saints. We have heard in Paul's letter to the Ephesians about saints. Uh, But what is a saint? What makes a saint a saint? Most of us in our minds think that a saint is someone special, exceptional even, someone set apart. And that is true, but not in the way we think it is true. The Apostle Paul writes to us this morning that if you are a Christian, then you are a saint. And yes, you are exceptional and set apart, but not in the way that you think you are. You see, sainthood is not defined by behavior, but by relationship. A real and personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And this relationship is not like other relationships here on earth, and that is easy to forget. Often when we first come to Christ, we are able to say, Jesus is now our friend, we're reconciled, and that's right. But how do we relate to God, Jesus as our Savior, Lord, and friend? And often we tend to relate to Him the way that we relate in a human way, in our own human relationships. Indeed, someone once said, in the beginning God created man, and ever since then we've been trying to return the favor. And it's hard not to relate to God that way. Think about your own friendships, your own relationships. In order to make them work, what do you need to do? Well, for instance, one, you, you need to be able to communicate with them. Right? You, you, uh, you keep in touch with them, you speak to them. When they call you, uh, you call them back. Uh, when uh, they take you out to lunch and they pick up the tab, what do you do? The next time, you pick up the tab if you're any kind of friend. But sometimes as friends, we fail, don't we? What happens when we don't return the phone call and a day or two goes by and we begin to feel anxious and think, well, you know, it's been a little while, maybe I won't call at all, but finally we think, but you know, a good friend will call and you may have friends like me because when you call, they say, who is this? Oh, I almost didn't recognize your voice. So good to hear from you. I I was wondering what happened. I thought maybe we weren't friends anymore. And if you allowed your, your friend to pick up the tab, if you have friends like me, uh, they would look at you and say, I picked up the last one. <laughs> or, or what kind of friend are you? And you know what? We often relate to God that way. Many of us, and this is a good thing to do, is we think we're going to get up early in the morning. We're going to have our quiet time with God. And many people will talk about you have an appointment with Jesus early in the morning. But what happens when the alarm clock goes off and you see how dark it is outside and you hit the snooze button? And then you hit the snooze button. And before you know it, it's really too late. You have to get ready for the day. Do you walk downstairs and there Jesus is at your dining room table looking at his coffee saying, It's cold. I I waited and and you, you stood me up. Or sometimes in your prayer life, is it lacking and, and you, you're afraid to pray to God because you haven't talked to Him in a long time and God responds by saying, Oh, stranger, I almost didn't recognize your voice. 
Or when, when God blesses us and is there an expectation that we do something in return and, and God sort of sits across the lunch table with his arms folded and saying, I think it's your turn. We fall into that trap. But this morning, I want you to think about how God really relates to us. He doesn't relate to us in that worldly friendship sort of way. He relates to us more as a parent. Because we all have friends that when we know we fail as friends, they're really going to give it to us. They're going to remind us of how we failed. And those relationships are not built upon love, but upon obligation. But God's favor and disposition towards us has nothing to do with us. Thank God. Indeed, as William Porche Dubose said, only the saint knows sin. A mark of sainthood is that you actually know and acknowledge your struggle, your own human condition. You know that you've blown it and you've not been the Christian that you've been called to be. But God's response to us is one like a parent. St. Paul in Ephesians uses the language of our inheritance. That we inherit the riches of the glory of His grace in our own lives. And what he's using is language that the Romans would use in talking about adoption. That God the Father has not befriended us, but He's adopted us as sons and daughters. And the listeners in Paul's day would have thought, whoa, this is radical. Because here's the thing about adoption in the Roman world. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can't get to a point where you're too old to be adopted. And when you are adopted, you have no say in the matter. The person adopting you adopts you whether you like it or not. And not only that, there's nothing that you can do to unadopt yourself. There's nothing that you can do to walk away from that parent-child relationship, no matter how much you might protest. You are forever a child of the adopter. God as parent. And when he looks at us, in spite of the fact that we know that we are undone, and like the prayer book used to say, we are miserable offenders. When God looks at us, he looks at us as his children. Because he sees Jesus' righteousness imputed to us by the power of the cross. He sees us as blameless and forgiven, even though we know deep down inside we don't feel like a saint, much less like a Christian. Paul not only uses the language of our inheritance, but also God's inheritance. He speaks of us as God's inheritance, another way of translating it, God's treasure. That we are God's treasure, His possession. I knew a couple in Washington, D.C. who had purchased a Monet. And every time you went over to the house, it was written up in the paper so everybody knew how much they paid. And it was way too much. And when you would go over to the house, no matter if you'd seen it a hundred times, they would always show, come and look at the Monet. And to be honest, it was small and it seemed imperfect. And everybody was saying, oh, it's lovely. But really what they're thinking is, you paid how much? You paid how much? And finally, someone had the gall to ask them, well, you know, uh, did you buy this as an investment? Are you hoping to maybe get a return on it one day? And they looked at this person in disbelief and they said, 
We would never, ever dream of selling our most prized possession. Do you see? That's how God looks at us. The cost, our purchase price was immense. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He has bought us. And when he looks at us, of course the world says, hypocrite, imperfect, small. I can't believe that God would pay so much for somebody like that. But he looks at you and he says, you are my son. You are my daughter whom I have purchased. A saint, my treasure. And when the truth of that roots itself in your hearts. Everything that you have ever wanted, everything that you have ever longed for, multiplied times infinity, will be present in your heart at that first second of God the Father's embrace. And when you live your life in the light of that truth, it changes your life here and now as a Christian. And St. Paul prays that in the eyes of our hearts, would be open to this truth. When he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, a wonderful phrase, does he say, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open to some new fresh spiritual insight of of how you might grow in deeper service to the Lord? No, that our eyes would be opened up to the reality of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he was died, that he was buried, but on the third day, God rose Jesus out from the tomb, and because he lives, death is conquered, and the victory is ours through Him. That is the truth that ought to be deep in our hearts. Now I'm going to go to meddling. The hymn that we've just sung is a wonderful hymn. It was written for children, and it's a great hymn. It's very catchy. Uh, But there's always been a couple lines that have bothered me about it. And they're always the ending lines of the stanzas. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean God helping to be one too. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one too. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be one too. There's a sense in which I kind of hope, maybe I can will myself into being a saint, But in light of what St. Paul, God's Word, tells us this morning, here's what we ought to hear. They were all of them saints of God, and I mean, because of God's love, I am one too. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, because Jesus' blood has made me one too. For the saints of God are just folk like me, redeemed and made one too. Because of Christ's finished work upon the cross, you are a saint. Full stop. Whether you feel that way or not, you have a relationship with the creator of the universe that is just as close and intimate as those that you might think exist on a higher spiritual plane. And like it or not, you cannot outrun the love of God. For you are God's inheritance, his treasure, a saint. Amen.